Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Bring them The championship run deep in our vein. The entertainment rolling real cause it's all in the game. Who else you know around the city doing it better than this? Just say look at this. You can look around who better than this. Nobody. Who your team, the Blazers, the Knicks, the Wizards, the Clippers, the Patriots, the Cowboys, Clippers, Tigers, the Chickens. USC, Gamecock, Shamrock, know what it is, man. Triple left a new podcast. Just join the game plan. Come on, come on. Bring them out, bring them out. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your hosts, Zay, Young Vander, and Bro Joe. Bonjour, Kanichiwa, Ola, Utentech, and what's poppin'? Welcome back to the best new fantasy football podcast on air. We have a great show for you today. We got your news, your NFC North breakdown, and of course, it's me, your favorite fantasy football fiend, Zay. And I got my bros with me. First up, I got my man, Young Vander. Holla at the people, Young Vander. Fantasy Fiends, what's going on out there? And my guy, little bro, bro, Joe. Holla at the people, bro. What's going on, Fantasy Fiend family? Let's go. First up, we got a little bit of news. Kick around a little bit of the scuttlebutt going around the NFL. A little bit of business to take care of. If you're looking for us on Facebook, we are the Fantasy Football Fiend family Facebook group. On IG, Fantasy Football Fiend, and on Twitter, at Fantasy underscore theme. Now let's go ahead and hop right into your news. And now your fantasy news. All right, guys, we have quite a bit of news today, actually. Some of it's injury news, some of it's uh, some some trends that are happening in the offseason. But first up, one Mr. Trey Lance is actually um, showing and proving this offseason. Per uh, Peter Schrager, uh, which is one of the 49ers uh, beat writers, or excuse me, uh, NFL Network, um, he's indicating that Trey Lance has been awesome this offseason. He's been progressing in some of the areas that he needed to, and this may be why the 49ers have been emboldened to go ahead and let everybody know that Jimmy G is still out there and available. This may be one of those smoke before the fire type deals. I, I honestly believe that Trey Lance may be one of those guys that you can kind of get not at the tail end of your draft, but you can get him significantly later than some of the other quarterbacks that you may have your eye on. And he should put up some decent points this year. I agree with you. I don't think he'll be on the tail end as far as the draft because a lot of people see this coming. He's currently ranked maybe around 13. Okay. He's rising. The middle of the pack. Right. He's quite and he's a little. Okay. And he's rising. So, I mean, you got this guy in the stands as a dual threat quarterback. Anytime you get those guys around, then this is what's going to happen. And if you think about it, the only guys that are ahead of him, Aaron Rodgers is currently ranked 12. He's 13. Mm. So he's above guys like Carr and Cousins and Fields and. You know, those guys. So the, only the elite, the more elite quarterbacks are in front of him. I, I think this guy is the real deal. As you said, with sports writer, um, they say he completed like 70. So far, he's completed like 70 percent of his passes in practice. Oh, wow. He's thrown six touchdowns to uh, only two interceptions. And one thing he had, he'd been pretty accurate in college. He's one of those quarterbacks that didn't have many uh, interceptions. So um, I, I think this guy the real deal. You, you talk to some of the players on the team that say his arm is some, some people say he's the strongest arm they've seen. I think Trent Williams, you know, like you got a couple guys like, nah, this this guy's a real dude. It's a live arm. And he's making plays and practice every day that's like unreal. So um, I definitely think this is a guy you should take in your draft if you, you know, if you're not gonna get the upper upper echelon guys, you know, the dual 
the Lamar Jacksons, the Kyler Murrays of the world, even the Jalen Hurts, I think this is the next best thing. You actually covered a lot of ground on what a lot of beat writers were saying. Uh, to add to that, he's also been talking to Steve Young. I think that's something that's very impressive, seeing as though they're very similar in acumen and how they play on the field. So I'm expecting great things from Trey Lance. We got Matthew Stafford, who is indicating that he has been thoroughly impressed by one Mr. Allen Robinson. This may be another one of those guys that is kind of going a little bit later. His name has been kicked around because of the move that was made in the offseason, but he still isn't being considered upon the uh, upper echelon of wide receivers. So Stafford is saying that he believes that Allen Robinson is going to be a superstar with the Rams offense. Uh, that'll be that's yet to be seen, but that's another one of those guys that I would definitely keep an eye on. Allen Robinson could easily be one of those guys that you get in the wide receiver two, three part of the draft, if you will, but can definitely put up wide receiver one numbers, especially in this particular offense. We had Najee Harris, who is expecting a lighter workload. Apparently, the Steelers are looking at switching up something that they do pretty much every year, which is just having one running back who's a bell cow. Uh, it's one of these offenses that we have been able to kind of depend on as far as a bell cow is concerned. But it looks like they're about to lighten the load of one Mr. Najee Harris. Now, they didn't indicate how they are going to go about doing so. So I'm not sure if it's going to be a, a Benny Snell increase or a McFarland increase or how that's supposed to work. But they are indicating that they aren't going to put quite as much of the workload on Harris, which long-term prognosis definitely helps his career. It's a great idea that they're trying to give him less touches. I mean, he almost had 400 touches with 381 300 of them coming from running the ball. They've done nothing to improve the offensive line. Personally, uh, nobody even stands out as a starter caliber offensive lineman. So it'd be nice to use him in unique ways and kind of free from getting him, you know, hit excessively on the field. And uh, also, too, he's kind of played a lot heavier, too. So I would like to see him kind of manage him game to game. But I think he's still going to be in that 300 to 350 range, regardless of what they're saying. I just think, you know, we'll see it down in, down in, down out, like almost like Joe Mixon was this past year as far as that kind of management. I don't see nothing here. Uh, they're saying, yeah, we want to give him less touches. Okay, we can go from 380 to 365. That's it. Like, you know what I mean? It's less touches. <laughs> you know what I mean? So this is the Steelers. They're known for doing this. You know what I mean? It's been bailed. They're probably one of the only franchises remaining um, besides maybe the Titans. You know, that's just kind of like because of the type of running back they got, right? And Cincinnati that really have the one running back. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, just been known for it for years. Oh, okay. Like, I got you. I got you. Yeah, got you. yeah. Like, they, that's that's what they do. You know what I mean? So, it's no different when they had Jerome Bettis, Willie Parker, or any of the other guys over the years. Like, that's what they do. So, yeah, we're going to give them less carries. Like, one less carry a game. You know what I mean? So, I'm not banking on Benny Snell or nothing like that. He's just a handcuff. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's I don't think he's going to do enough to really be f fantasy relevant in uh, football games. You got Jerry Judy, who's currently dealing with a growing injury, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. He left Monday's OTA session with a growing issue. They don't exactly have an indication of how bad it is. The head coach, uh, Nathaniel Hackett, called it a little tweak. But that's also what Riverboat Ron called Curtis Samuel's growing strain at the beginning of last year. It was a little tweak that hampered him for the whole year. So hopefully that won't be the case with Judy. But those growing injuries can definitely be a little tricky. We have Traylon Burks. Apparently, he suffers from asthma. Now, the wide receiver coach Rob Moore revealed Tuesday that Traylon Burks has asthma. 
that kind of explains why he's missed some reps in the rookie minicamp with breathing issues and things of that nature. But it didn't hamper his career with Arkansas. So I'm not sure if there's that much of a difference between your, you know, the, the air quality in Arkansas versus the air quality in Tennessee. But for me, that's kind of concerning. I mean, what happens when you got to go to Denver or somewhere and, and play in that altitude? What happens when, you know, you got to go to a, a, a Miami or somewhere where it's humidity is just ridiculous or, or even with like the Panthers or someplace like that, anywhere near Carolina in, in the in the summertime or the early fall when, when football is getting started up. So I, I don't know. That, that kind of concerns me because if, if you can't make it to a practice due to asthma. How, what's the likelihood of you making it through or, or not missing games due to the same ailment? So I, I don't really know how to look at this other than the fact that if you can't make it through practices, it's kind of scary to me. I uh, mean, I'm not really concerned about it. I mean, because if he has asthma, it's probably something he's been going through his whole life, maybe since a child. Uh, I'll give you two notable guys. Jerome Bettis had asthma. Emmitt Smith had asthma. There's nothing here to see for me. I mean, unless I don't he's remember a, seeing any stories about them missing practices due to asthma. That, that's yeah, but I mean, that's that's maybe more of a cautionary thing. I mean, it's, asthma is one of the things maybe you can have. It depends on how chronic it is, you know. Now, if he's a chronic asthma guy, then that may be one thing. But mm. for right now, he, I mean, he played college football. He played high school football. I mean, at the end of the day, you're still running around just because it's the NFL. I mean, you're still active. You know what I'm saying? So right, I don't, I don't think it's not as big of a deal. You know, I'm saying to be honest with you, maybe just, he maybe he get less practice reps or something like that during the week. But as far as Sundays, I think he'd be fine. I think with, especially after sometimes these pro days and combine, some of these kids do not continue to do some of the trainings and things in the nature to get acclimated to football. Do we know a collegiate program, offseason program is entirely different? And typically it takes the, you know, eight to 12 weeks and well into the season to kind of have their, you know, wind underneath them to play at the NFL level. So I just think, you know, a smaller program like Arkansas, I'm going to chalk it up to that. You know, I don't think that, you know, he's done anything close to what um been asked of him at the collegiate level because he's always dominated in football, but it's total ball game, you know, totally different ball game for him. And I think it's going to be a slight adjustment, but we've overreacted with Jamar Chase not catching passes. So it's one of those things like, I'd rather wait until the season to then come back to this, you know, as far as it says. We have DK Metcalf skipping minicamp. Apparently, um, not quite satisfied with the money that he's getting. And this this contract dispute is now going into, uh, so I, I didn't think that he would be one to hold out just based on some of the things he was saying prior about, you know, developing his leadership skills and needing to be the one to lead the team now that Russ is gone, et cetera, et cetera. But apparently he's not going to show up until he gets paid. The Seahawks aren't exactly in a position right now to win with or without him. So I don't know that they're going to take this threat at face value as far as him holding out is concerned. Because, I mean, really, how many more games do you lose or win with or without him, without a quarterback that can get him the ball now? Say what you want about Geno Smith and about Drew Locke. But in my estimation, both of them have had wide receivers of his elk or his skill set, and it didn't turn out too well for him. I just don't, I don't know. Seattle looks like they, they, they may mess around and end up being a dumpster fire. This is actually a smart thing for DK because trust oh, me, if he I, plays I, this year with that quarterback, his his dollar can go down and he knows that. So he's going to try yeah, to hurt him exactly. get his money now. <laughs> exactly. I agree. 
Yeah, um, just to throw a wrench into that, though, I really think, honestly, we saw the same thing with Jamal Adams. He set out a tremendous amount of time, and then we gave him $70 million for four years. So we have the money. It's more or less, I, I to me, it, it's more so an insurance policy. I'm not going to go and do some organized team activities or mini camp where nothing's on the, the line. He's an elite-level athlete. Whatever he does in the offseason is more than enough to suffice, and he got to get his bag. I, I really think he's going to come in – you know, close to $90 million, whatever that number might be, is going to be in the, that, that stratosphere of $90 million over four to five years, or similar to Tony uh, A.J. Brown, his uh, former teammate. Sticking with Seattle, it looks like both of the healthy running backs there are dealing with hamstring issues. So we talked about Penny having a hamstring issue a little bit last week, and it looks like this week, Kenny Walker, the rookie, is having a bit of a hamstring issue as well. So hopefully these won't be issues that kind of hamper them throughout the year, but just something to kind of stay abreast to. One more running back to speak on, as far as Seattle is concerned, Chris Carson still hasn't been given the go-ahead to go ahead and come back to organized team activities or or to the field in general. So it's not looking good for him. Uh, he, he may want to go ahead and retire. I know he might have thought that he had another check coming, and I know we – we spend differently when we feel we have that other big check still coming, but he may be in a, a very vicarious position where his livelihood going forward may be at stake, depending on the decisions that he and the team makes now. So I would just kind of be leery of letting him back on the field. I wouldn't want to let anything um, of significant note happen on my watch to one of the guys that I knew was in a position to whereas he couldn't get hurt. So we'll see how that plays out. But I really don't have a feeling that Carson will either be back or will be back for very long if he comes back. Yeah, they have it now. Pete Carroll hinting uh, his career, that it's a career in the injury for Chris Carson. And that came out yesterday. We have Mr. Daryl Henderson suffering from a soft tissue injury uh, with the Rams. So you have Daryl Henderson who is dealing with soft tissue injury. You have Tyron Williams, who is their rookie running back, who broke his foot. I mean, I guess Cam is the healthiest one right now. And also, Cam Akers is one of those guys that isn't kind of getting picked at his talent level, if you will. I think he can put up some numbers that some of these guys that are going in the first, second round may put up. But people have a sour taste in their mouth based on what happened with him last year. So based on where he's going, he may be a great running back value. Um, especially if these injuries continue to go in that backfield and he's not one of them. Henderson isn't new to injury, so it's a little bit more of the same for him. Not exactly sure how long this broken foot for a Kyron Williams is going to take to recover from, but right now, Cam is really the only game in town. Luckily, they don't have to play for another few months. We'll kind of see how that ends up working out. One of the things that stuck out to me most this week, Alan Lazard is not at minicamp. Right now, He's currently second on the depth chart, and we'll get a little bit more into the depth chart and everything like that when we get into the NFC North breakdown. But um, he's currently second on the depth chart to a rookie, which kind of lets you know how they feel about him or what his level of talent is. Um, you haven't even stepped on the field yet. You've already been surpassed by a guy that was picked a little bit later than most of the upper echelon receivers were being picked. He's kind of making, a, 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 I guess, a, a money decision. They got to figure out what's going to happen with this long-term deal. He's another guy that gets hurt often, so I understand him not wanting to get on the field without a deal as well. We'll kind of see how that goes. I, I don't see him as being someone that you could depend on, even if he's healthy. 
Yeah, that, that just to add on to that, it's definitely more so contractual than anything else. <clears throat> Aaron Rodgers has um, also spoken about it too, wanting to be there because in his eyes, he's viewing it as Lazard's opportunity to be possible number one receiver in that offense. Yeah, but this is my thing, like, and, and I'm going to say respectfully, what has he done to earn a contract? Being the only wide receiver on the team? That, that's not enough. You know what I mean? Oh. Like you, you need to be you need to be here and, and, and show that, you know what I'm saying? Like he had a decent um this past season wasn't bad. He caught a good bit of touchdowns. The yardage wasn't there. He had eight touchdowns, had five hundred yards, like but be here, take the lead, be the lead dog, perform, you get paid. Like I think we just want we live in a society where they want to be compensated for very little work. I agree. Like the you want to <laughs> do, you know what I'm saying? And and I get it. You know what I'm saying? You athlete, you know what I'm saying? People been kissing your ass your whole life, all right, whatever. But the production is not there to get the check. I understand, you know, and it's it's been running the NFL rampant right now. Like all these wide receivers mm-hmm. out here getting paid. I mean, the, the Christian Kirk deal has left a sour taste in most of these guys' mouth. Yep. And now for the tight ends, the the joke the Joko deal, sour taste. You know what I'm saying? So people are like, oh look. You know what I'm saying? Then you start to compare the numbers and things like that. And you're thinking you should get what this guy gets. But show up, man. Show up. Aaron Rodgers, we all know once he finds someone he locks in on, he likes, he could turn you into that old pro. Step up to the plate and be that. I mean, they already come out saying that Sammy Watkins is going to be a big part of the offense. So you already know what's going on. Like, there's not much there. They're coming out saying things like that. So I, I think he's playing a dangerous game. I think I he's playing think that's chicken. Why he feels like he has the upper hand, though. Because yeah, but I think he's playing Sammy chicken. Watkins is the only other receiver there. I think he's playing chicken with the wrong guys, though, because think about it. There's some guys that still own the bubble on some other teams. That's probably better than him. I would take Darius Slayton over Lazard. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's some guys yeah. that are probably going to get cut real soon that we could say, you know what? You stay there, and we'll take this guy, and we'll go forward. You know what I mean? So I think he's playing a little dangerous game. You know what I'm saying? But show up, yeah. man. You ain't yeah, did nothing yet. I agree. I think this uh, wide receiver group uh, with Sammy Watkins, Dobbs, Romeo Dobbs, which you touched on before, uh, uh, Zay, not too long ago, even Amari Rogers, everybody respectfully has been getting a lot of praise in this offense. Of course, it's going to be that way when you lose Devontae Adams. People are going to clamor to every little thing in shorts. So this is the wrong time for him to not be out there on the field. Like Brandon just said, once, you know, he finds his guy, that's it. And if he's in his mind saying to the media, you have the the, the opportunity to be viewed as the number one receiver, you need to come get your money. Like, I, I think I think someone like him probably expecting 8 to $10 million. To Vanda's point, statistically, it's nothing to prove that he even deserves anything in that nature to even hold out. You could be like uh, Equinemia St. Brown. <laughs> who gets picked up for the less than the league minimum. And lastly in the news, we have our weekly Deshaun Watson saga continuing. So per A to D radio, Watson's contract can actually be voided if he's suspended based upon any of the actions or reports of this 24th complainant. So it sounds like to me, Watson pretty much told the team, hey, you know about all the people that can possibly come at me. And you made a decision to go ahead and give me a contract. And they were like, all right, now we're willing to deal with the 22, 23 that we know about. But if anybody else starts coming forward, we got a problem. And then complainant number 24 came forth. Also dealing with this saga. Now the Texans themselves have been put on the case as defendants, which actually, in my humble opinion, could be the best thing to happen for Deshaun Watson. 
because now the NFL has to defend one of their own vigorously, which will also help out Watson's case. So it's not just his lawyer that's on the case now. Now the NFL's lawyers have to come to bat in the defense of the Texans, which is going to ultimately help out Watson, in, in, in my opinion. But it's getting to the point now where, where it's, it's, it's way too much going on. They void this contract. They just that just let me know they felt like they made a mistake when they offered it. Yes, yeah, because you're not going to say, "All right, now I know about 22 women. Now 24, you're pushing it." Like, That's too much, really? right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like hold up, like two more. No, come on. That's just That's no the problem. magic number. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, now that, that don't make sense. So if they void this guy's contract, they just were saying, you know what, man? Maybe we bit off more than we can chew, and we spent too much money. That's it. We made a mistake. We was, you know, thirsty. We was hungry. We did it. And now we have a buyer's remorse or something like that. But that's the only reason you avoid this contract, because the reason you set the contract up, you already had in your mind that he's going to be spending maybe a year because of his first yep. year of contract is not really even the part to guarantee. So it's a yeah, million dollars. Yeah, that's you knew that. Contract for the first year. Yeah. So the he, only way he you, and his agent knew that, too. They had to. I didn't want to accept every, it. Everybody dollars. knew it. You know what I'm saying? So you offered it. They signed it. Everybody knew it. So it's just buyer's remorse at this point, in my opinion, if they were to void the contract or something like that. This is ridiculous, man. Like, whatever. Yeah, but I think what did help him is his own lawyer saying it's nothing wrong or legal with them getting a happy ending. I mean, it's true. The part is on his statements. No, no, but, it, but no, but Vander, Vander makes the point. It, it is true. I mean, my thing is this. Out of these 24, no, no, seriously, though, out of these 24, out of these 24 people, 14 of them saw him again. So how offended or assaulted were you when you when you went back? To, all I'm saying is if the court system couldn't even make a trial out of this, not mm -hmm. I'm not judging guilt or innocence. That's not my job. Right. But if you couldn't even get a court case out of this and you want me to assume that he assaulted these people, not nary one of them said that he forced himself on them. He laying on his back on his stomach. You can easily walk to the door. You can at minimally say, no, I ain't going to do it and don't do it and, and force him to force you. Then we got a whole different type of a case going on here. Right. Asking for, ask ask for sex is not illegal. It's not in any way, shape, form, or fashion. So, but I agree. I, 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 but I'm just saying in general, that lawyer coming out and say that, you know what I mean? Like, he's been doing good so far, but now it's like, oh, he's trying to settle. Then his lawyer's making this statement. And now they're saying that he's met with at least 66 women, which is all five. Like, we men. Wait, wait, wait hold on, hold on, hold on. So, so let's look at this, right? What it sounds like to me is he gets a weekly massage. That number is arbitrary. <laughs> I don't, I don't give a damn if it's 66 or 666. Like, right. if, if if I go if I go to the massage parlor every week, what's the odds of me getting the same woman massaging me every week? But that, that's this, null and void. That's just something they're using to pump up the public. It's this, neither here nor there. Say this is the thing, man. It's clear. This this is clearly prostitution ring. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten massages. We all have gotten massages. There's not sixty six. There's not sixty six. <laughs> Hold on. Let me get this out for the listener. Let me get this out. You can't show me any any spa anywhere with 66 different masseuses in there, okay? There's not that many different masseuses in any spa, any massage parlor. That's just one of those things where they was bringing different women in from week to week. They they have some ship out, new ones come in. New ones leave, new ones come in. It's just it was a safe way to cheat for him. And I'm all for it. And and for a guy like, you know, if you have a and I'm not listen, I'm not married anymore, but this is my thing. I'm not saying you should cheat, guys. But if you're in a relationship, what's...
safer than cheating at the massage parlor. When you're saying, hey, babe, I'm going to get a massage. She's like, all right, cool. There's a new woman waiting there. Every week, they was bringing something new through for him. That's all it was. That's it. It's not like he met these women in the club, in the lounge. It was at the massage parlor. It was a new woman, a new massage. It, it was just, it was clearly a prostitution ring going on there. Clearly. Exactly. Right? So I'm going to throw a little tidbit in there. Now, this hasn't been reported. This is simply my humble opinion. The reason so many Texans players are being quiet is because they visited the same damn massage parlor and don't want their name brought up in this damn lawsuit. Thanks. I guarantee you, the Texans wasn't just doing this for one person. And if you did it that many oh. times for one person, you did it for more than one person. You probably Listen, did it for we all have, the higher ups. We that, have that a must. There's a massage parlor here locally, right by right beside my gym, actually, that just got busted maybe about a year, year and a half ago for the same shit. It was, I mean, come on, man. You got, it's like yeah, nine They burned at, the tape with the owner of the, the Patriots. The owner yeah. of the Patriots was that, I mean, this is, this is running rampant. Like, like but they, they burned the new. tape. So we, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you see massage parlors open at nine o'clock at night, really, really, <laughs> really, it's nine thirty at night and people going to the massage parlor. Really? They okay. got off of work, went to the gym, <laughs> did a little yeah. rub now. 9.30 at night. You mean y'all still open? <laughs> y'all don't close at 6? <laughs> Full service shop. Full service. You know what I'm saying? So, of course, it's going on. And they ask you in these places, from what I heard, hey, do you want that special? You know what I'm saying? You put a little sauce on the end for you? Sure. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Pay the extras. You know what I'm saying? And everybody's happy. Like, this is the norm. I know it's not... It doesn't sound good. It's not, you know, um, it's not glamorous, but it is right. Really. And the same thing the lawyer was saying when he said that, of course, it's not morally right. It don't sound good, but it's honest. Like, it's not illegal to get a happy ending. That's the truth. If it's consensual, I have absolutely zero issues with it. Two adults took, uh, took place with it with some type of a sex act. When two adults yeah. make a decision to do whatever with each other, that ain't nobody business but them two people. Uh, and or however many people happen to be involved, but I'm just saying, like it, it's it, it ain't lining up for me. It, it's it, they piling on now. They should have just stuck around, you know. If they had stuck around the ten to twelve, I was on the other side of it. it when you start throwing out numbers like sixty six, and sixty six people ain't even complaining, that means he either did it with the sixty six, and they signed that NDA and already got paid, and they still trying to go back to him and still get paid. Or you're making this out to be something that it ain't. Like, like I, I, I don't know. It's just it ain't sitting right with me at this point. Yeah, my only thing is, as far as just it being in the media, you you would have expected and had hoped for it to die down. But some of these statements and things that are persistently coming out, I would kind of have buyers remorse too. It's just like I, I, I know you. Like you said, I know you ain't gonna get suspended. I know it's 22 girls. I know you was getting some type of extracurricular. That's cool. But then, like I said, the statements from the lawyer and then everything else coming out in times past, like, Goodell going to have to do something at some point, regardless if he ain't doing foot against the Redskins and the Patriots. They're going to definitely you you know, have to You do can't suspend me for the amount of time that people are calling for without several people getting fired from the Texas organization. I'm sorry. You you That's can't true. facilitate it. And then on the back end, say the person that was facilitated for is the only one in the wrong here. Nothing else to see. So now the and this is why I said it actually worked out better for Watts. Now that again the Texans are defended in the same lawsuit, the same energy that you send it towards him is the however many women he was with. That's how many NDAs that the Texans sent out. It wasn't until he decided he didn't want to be a Texan that all this shit got out, and it wasn't from somebody that signed the NDA. And I'll leave it at that. There we go. 
that pretty much wraps up your news. Let's go ahead and get into this NFC North breakdown. All right, let's get started with your NFC North breakdown. First up, we have the Chicago Bears. Number one receiver, Darnell Mooney. Number two receiver, Equinemius St. Brown. Number three receiver in the slot is Byron Pringle. Backing up Mooney, you have Tajay Sharp. And backing up Equinemius, you have Dante Pettis. They also brought on uh, the rookie Vallis Jones Jr. They also have Daz Newsome running backs. They have David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, Darrington Evans, tight end Cole Komet, Ryan Griffin. Obviously, at quarterback, they have Justin Fields backing him up, Trevor Simeon. This team, I, I kind of feel that they can either go forward or they can end up having one of the first picks and ended up trading it because people are going to be willing to come up to get a quarterback, and they don't need one. It's just they haven't done – they didn't even attempt to do what the Jets did, which was every move that they made in the offseason was to make sure that they can get the best evaluation of their young quarterback. It almost feels like Chicago is putting Fields in a position where it's like, well, we know you're so good that you can make other pieces better. All of these wide receivers, other than Mooney, are pretty much replacement players. Equinemia St. Brown didn't do much of anything with Aaron Rodgers. Tajay Sharp has been on a few teams, never been much of nothing. Dante Pettis has now been on a few teams, never been much of nothing. Um, I, I just... I don't know. Cole Komet may be another one of those guys. Uh, it seems like we're saying this every week. If you're using the zero tight end strategy, Cole Komet may be one of those guys just out of necessity. He is one of the best pass catchers that Fields is going to have access to because he don't have any other wide receivers. Um, it's either going to be Mooney with a 30-yard bomb or it's going to be Pringle across the middle or it's going to be Cole Komet. That's pretty much going to be or, or, or running the ball quite a bit. So um, and whether that's from Justin or whether that's from Montgomery or Herbert, whoever the case may be, but they're going to be running the ball quite a bit. This, this team is almost shaping up to be a worse, well, definitely a worse version of Baltimore. For Justin Fields, I think it's, he's going to be this year's uh, Jalen Hurts. And what I mean by that is that Jalen Hurts from last year, like, I mean, last year, Jalen Hurts now. He finished top 10, I believe, right, overall at yep. the end of the season. But it was ugly. Right. <laughs> and and I think it's gonna be the same for Fields this year. It's gonna be an ugly, a ugly team. Um it's not he's gonna get a lot of trash production. So as far as fantasy wise, I think he's gonna do great. As far as the way it's gonna look, it's gonna be ugly. You know what I mean? His office the the coach that got coming in, coming from college, he was one of the coaches that called a lot of design runs. So that's one thing I think he will do. Same as Hurst last year, who had I think who led the league in rushing touchdowns for quarterbacks. I think Fields would be in that in that arena, I can see him very well getting at least between eight to ten rushes this year, touchdowns. So, like I said, fantasy-wise, it's going to look real good because this is not the Chicago Bears defense of old, and that's why they're going to be in a lot of trouble this year. They may be playing from behind a lot. Looking at defense, the depth chart look like they can possibly start two rookies in it. That's not a good thing. Khalil Mack's not there no more. That pass rush is not there. So, I can see them playing from behind a lot, and uh, with this, the way – like. Like Zay alluded to, this team like is built to run. But if your ass is down 17, you're not running the ball. You know what I mean? So it's going to be a little ugly. But I think fantasy-wise, he'll do well. Looking at his wide receiving core, of course, everybody's going to be on Mooney because it seems like he's the only option. I think Byron Pringle can be tricky. We've seen Byron Pringle do well 
And I really want to see how he's looking that slot on this team. He's he's a he's a he's a a tricky piece. I'm I'm curious in seeing that. But David Montgomery, of course, I think he's gonna be well this year. I think he'd do well. I think he'd get a lot more carries and he'll be approaching uh low end running back one arena, possibly this year. I look at this team. All right, thank you for buying me some time while uh <laughs> you was talking, Vin, because I was doing some digging. So uh, my take on the team is for a few things. Like I feel like like you say, you can't really invest too much into the Bears. Pace is going to pretty much build this team. You bastard. Hold <laughs> up. Hold up. Hold up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he bought you time to go pick up Vallis Jones Jr. off the waiver wire. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Joe. So um, Pace is going to build this team out relatively slowly. Um, I want people to kind of keep in mind, like the Buffalo Bills, for example, where um, it took him a few years to kind of bring in the talent because they did an impressive draft, believe it or not. Next year, they're going to have $96.3 million, So that's why their team isn't as stacked. But one thing Justin Fields has become uh, quite familiar with, and one person he's been targeting quite a uh, between organized team activities, has been Velas Jones Jr. So in addition to Mooney, I think they're t- and also too, if you look at like research it, they're teaching him as many positions as possible, so they can kind of expedite his process on getting onto the field. So I think we can see possibly like a um, Browns, like a Brown last year for the Lions. Whereas the first half, we don't see him as involved, but I think he's going to definitely come onto the field. And have a presence because, like we said, we don't trust none of these wide receivers. As far as running back, David Montgomery is David Montgomery. I'm sure Khalil Herbert is going to push him quite a, a big deal. This is not like his prior handicap. I forgot the dude name. I feel sorry that he tore his Achilles just recently. This is a totally different beast. I think he adds a lot of value, a lot of third down value in the backfield as well. So if I'm going after David Montgomery, I'm going to definitely handicap him or cuff him rather with Khalil Herbert because he's going to have a prominent role in that offense. But like I said, this team, just everybody got to keep in mind, the only people you want here is possibly Fields, Mooney, David Montgomery, and for Dynasty, or even if you're somebody who's loaded, you loaded up a wide receiver, you got to revert to you know, catching up on other positions. You can come and get Vellis Jr., Jones Jr. at great value. He's a great player, and we covered him in prior episodes. Next up, we have the Detroit Lions, which I'm going to go ahead and say it. Detroit is my turnaround team for this year. I really believe that they have everything in place that they need to really make that jump from the talent on the team to the head coach. Barring injury, Detroit is going to surprise quite a few people this year. Right now, they have DJ Chark as their number one wide receiver. They have Jamison Williams, the rookie, as their number two. Amon Ross St. Brown in the slot. They have Quintez Cephas backing up Chark. They have Josh Reynolds backing up the rookie. And at running back, they have DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, Craig Reynolds, tight end TJ Hawkinson. And at quarterback, they have Jared Gall. Again, this is a team that I feel has a ton of talent remembering that Jared Goff got another team to the playoffs and to the actual Super Bowl, didn't win it. Looking at, and, and I know their offensive line isn't, you know, necessarily fantasy relevant, but they have first round picks all through this offensive line. I mean, top notch first round. These guys are stood on, on the line and if they can stay healthy, I don't really see a whole lot of holes in the team. Um, there may be a couple of places where they may be able to step up eventually, but I don't see a lot of holes in this team. And I love the way that their coach goes about coaching them up, motivating them, the passion that he has for the game. Um, DeAndre Swift could end up being one of the top running backs 
in the league this year. He well, obviously, I don't I don't think that he'll overtake Taylor, but everybody behind Taylor is fair game if he doesn't get injured and they continue to utilize him the way that they have been utilized. But that's what I got for you on Detroit. Yeah, so with Detroit, I'm uh, quite enthusiastic about golf. Uh, not to say that I'm gonna, he's going to be heavily sought, um, but he's going to be someone that presents value. People are going to kind of look at his game or the productivity and kind of allude to him like being like a game manager or being him being inefficient. But believe it or not, he's done quite a bit with what he's had. He really didn't have with for a large factor of the season. Hawkinson played hurt with the early injury. He was just a decoy most of the season, but he got all his receivers uh, well involved. Uh, had he had a defense to kind of keep them off the field in obvious downs and uh, circumstance. He had been highly more productive. Looking at his weapons, uh, DJ Shark, Jameson Williams, uh, Reynolds, just the, the original cast, Amon Ross and Brown, that helps him quite a bit. It helps the entire offense, but to your point, I like DeAndre Swift the most, and he presents the most value. Having all these different threats and all these uh, weapons on the field is really going to help him, as well as, like, to your point, they have done everything to give him one of the better, or if not the best, one of the best offensive lines in their division. Swift is yoked, man. This dude is already in, to me, he's in Pro Bowl shape right now. And I know it's easy to say stuff like that now relative to the beginning of the season, but we've seen the same commitment uh, just made even by my guy who went to uh, Connor, who went to Arizona. We've seen how productive he was in season. So I love DeAndre Swift and a bounce back from Hawkins uh, this year as well. This is a top 10 offensive line to lead. They definitely should have, you know, a little more uh, success when it comes to, you know, uh, offensively. I love Swift in a PPR league. Not too much standard. And that's being because he hasn't really ran the ball extremely well. Receiving-wise, it's been a little... It, he's, he's a tricky player, man. I know it's only his first year and was well, third year now, going to his third year. But he doesn't really run the ball from the ground at a high clip as far as like a yards per like average but he does catch the ball very well get a lot of targets out of the backfield i'm curious to see how this team how the new offensive look being that you've seen the emergence of Amon st brown at the end of the season but now you just added two more wide receivers so i'm curious to see does he shrink or is it just a little more now opportunity to wiggle because he's not the only guy being looked at. Love Hawkinson as well on this team because now he has less eyes on him. Uh, we see him do well. We also see him, how he plays when defenses are trying to take him out of the game. And they've been successful. So now things will be different. You add Chark and Jamison Williams. As far as fantasy-wise, again, I like Swift. Uh, Almond St. Brown. Golf, I mean, I guess if you're in a two-quarterback league, if you're in a one-quarterback league, he'll be a guy that's sitting there on the free agent list. That's my take on this team. Golf, for me, he's kind of a sleeper this year. And the reason I say that is I can't like his receivers as much as I do and not like to do throwing them the ball. I mean, his first, second, third, tight end, and the running back all catch the ball. So I think I'll probably have golf on a couple of teams because people are going to be thinking the same way that, that you just expressed that, you know, he's a, you know, a waiver or bench type of a guy. In a two quarterback league, you give me that guy as my um, third or fourth QB. I can go ahead and trade that number one and number two QB that I got for as much as I can get for him and then still have a guy that's putting up QB one numbers if everything works out right. I mean, he'll definitely be a guy that I'll be keeping an eye on. 
as far as my sleeper QBs are concerned. We'll have that sleeper episode and our best values coming up here pretty soon, as soon as we get done with the division. Moving on to the next team, we have Green Bay. Green Bay right now has Christian Watson, the rookie, as their number one receiver. They currently have Alan Lazard as the number two receiver, Randall Cobb as the slot. They have Sammy Watkins as the backup to Watson. They still have Jawan Winfrey and Amari Rogers on the roster as well. At tight end, they have Robert Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis. Running back, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. At quarterback, obviously, they have Aaron Rodgers. <sighs> Interesting. A lot of moving parts. Everybody love Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's back-to-back MVP. We know what he brings to the table. But I really want to – This, I think this season around here is going to really show how really good he really is because I he's agree. dealing with the <laughs> least amount of weapons that he's probably ever had, in my opinion. Um, then you got an old Randall Cobb. Who knows what's going on with Zard? You got the rookie Christian Watson. Who knows? I mean, he's he's physically, he's a talent, but playing against lesser competition in college, who knows what's going to translate to in the NFL. And you have a, a journeyman uh, like a Sammy Watkins. So I think the guy, also, we speak on the zero tight end strategy. I think Robert Tunyon may take a nice little bounce this year. Absolutely. Uh, um, he, he seems like one of the returning guys that Rodgers trusts. Last year, he didn't have such a great season, but the year before, he finished pretty high. Uh, I think, yeah, he, I think a, he had 11 touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken. He was, that I, season. I, I, yeah, he was up there pretty high. Let's see something real quick. Tight ends. That was in 2020. And I want to say Robert Tunyon is currently still recovering from an injury. He's definitely a vital part he, he of that finished, offense. Right. He actually finished third overall. Third overall. So 11 go. touchdowns, if I'm you not mistaken. Third overall in 2020, right? Which led, which tied, um, I think, Kelsey for the most for a tight end. So I think, as far as receivers, I think Robert Tunyon would be the guy that I would be looking at on this team. Of course, we want Sammy Watkins to be something, but it's been a while. And he usually, he normally shows up. He doesn't usually play a full season. Exactly. (laughs) He he usually, one thing about Sammy Watkins, he'd have a good week one and then he disappears. Yeah, like, it's crazy. Like he he had golf week one and disappeared for the rest of the season. He's so, been one of those guys in years past this, that I pick up with the last pick of the draft and trade him after week mm-hmm. one or two. Now the, the 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 juicy part of this team is the running backs. Yeah, um, I think they may lean on the run a little bit more, being that they don't have the pass catchers. So of course Aaron Jones, who also catched the ball at the back for very well, and AJ Dillon, yeah. man, this is probably going to be his breakout season. You're gonna see him a lot when they get down toward that red zone. He's gonna be. I can see them on the field and, and we don't, a lot together. Together, Aaron Jones might sure. be the best pass sure. catcher they got. Oh yeah, yeah, Aaron Jones for sure. The slot yeah, last agree, year. agree. <laughs> yeah, agree, agree. I mean, he finished 13 overall last year, and that's what when in the, pretty much sharing. You know what I mean? But I think we're gonna see a little bit more Legatron this year. I think he gonna get his. I think it's gonna be more of a running team. Maybe you know, play, pass play action pass type of squad this year yeah. unless some new guys come in because we still the season hasn't started yet so we don't know what his depth chart will look like on week one you still have some you know good guys you still have Odell yeah okay Odell is one but Julio, he ready to I would like Julio to be on this team you know who I would maybe, like who none to script but the Giants seem like they may end up cutting Shepard and I think Shepard would be a great replacement for Randall Cobb in that slot Mm-hmm. I, th- I think I think he would be a stud in that offense, or Slayton, like you said earlier. Uh, if 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 they if if Alan Lazard continues to show his ass, I mean, honestly, I would take Slayton over Lazard either way. And maybe that's why they haven't given him a contract yet. 
And I'm surprised there hasn't been more cuts. You know, normally that those that once that June first date hit, a lot of these guys whose names has been out there as trade candidates, they end right. up getting cut. But right. we haven't seen a whole lot of that, at least on the offensive side of the ball this year. Right. It, it's it's been weird. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you said, uh it hasn't been many releases. Everybody holding everybody, you know, kind of close to the vest right now, looking around. But I think by the time the season starts, this team maybe look a little different dip chart-wise because there's still some guys out there that can come in and make this team look a lot different. And like I said, Julio Jones would probably be a guy. And some of these cuts we're probably going to see. The Patriots are probably going to let go. Uh, is it Nikhil Harry, right? The guys that's in the yeah, bubble. Yeah, he'll definitely, one way or another, he, he got to go. Right. So there'll be a couple guys that you never know that you would probably see on this team when once the season starts. So I probably feel a lot different. You still have Will Fuller out there. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, Julio, like, like the Packers can go get Julio and Will Fuller, and things look way different. Be straight. Yeah. Just those two guys. You know what I'm saying? Add those two guys. You don't got to pay them very much, and this team can look a whole lot different. You still have a guy like a Cole Beasley that can replace a yeah. Randall Cobb in the slot. You know what I mean? So what they like, waiting for, man? You still got D. Jax, <laughs> who's who still proved that he can still get vertical. Yeah. Probably the best yeah. deep ball uh, receiver we've seen in the NFL history. I mean, besides Randy Moss, looking at the numbers. So, hey, I mean, there's, there's some guys out on? there. You, you're right. There's some guys out there. But, I mean, wouldn't you want to get them in to camp and all that kind of good stuff? I mean, it ain't like they played on your team before. I know your offense. Right. I don't – that's that's weird. Yeah, looking at this team, I don't see them changing much offensively. And I just think, like, how – to me, how they orchestrate the ball, how the, how the floor runs his offense, having – Devontae Adams was a caveat. He wasn't necessary to do what Matt LaFleur likes to do because he's committed to running the ball, and period. That's just one of his you know, emphasis uh, as far as the ground game. And with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, a tandem, you really present a lot of fronts. And he's even going to say that he's going to get them on the field at the same time a lot more. Uh, so I think they're going to be utilized pretty heavily. Aaron Rodgers, I think, honestly, even without weapons, I like him a lot. He's always been floating around that 4,000 uh, passing yard mark season and season out. I think, honestly, with the having Tanya coming back, as well as having some of these reprise roles, uh, you know, rollers coming back in, as far as Randall Cobb, uh, Mari Rogers, that really bodes well for me. I think my personal opinion, as far as getting him utilized, the only person at wide receiver I'm really looking at is Christian Watson. And it comes with a lot of ifs because uh, for he could end up being a Lazard year one. He could be the next MVS. But if he can get that rapport and he, they really focus uh, on that chemistry between him and Rodgers, he can easily have a 1,200-yard season just off of his skill sets and what he'll be asked to do in that offense. For somebody who's a raw receiver, he's going to have the same route concepts that would favor somebody with his inexperience. And he has the talent to know the God-given abilities to excel in this offense. Um, but to your point, it could be some veterans that are brought in later on. We know OBJ won't be ready until sometime around October, November. Uh, but that was the same conversation they were having around that same time of the year anyway to bring in somebody last year like OBJ. Julio is a good point, but I think his hamstrings, to me, he's done. Those hamstrings is done. He can't. He's brittle right now. I don't think he can ever come back to that level. But I would have loved to see Landry go there. My call-outs, honestly, is going to be A.J. Dillon, uh, then Aaron Jones, and then Christian Watson, third in that order. I think A.J. is going to get a lot of the ball 
and be heavily utilized. Just quickly touch on it. The reason why I take him over Aaron Jones is that this is LaFleur's guy. LaFleur, from the moment he's seen him, just compare him off the back to Derrick Henry. And we saw why as the season progressed. And he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Aaron Jones, to your point, is going to be the slot receiver. He's going to be uh, well-versed in the running game. But the Aaron Jones that had 19 touchdowns two years ago is not that same guy because A.J. Dillon has just – he's came on the last season, and I don't think that was a fluke. He's a perfect back for the full system. I completely agree, and not and not only that, but you can get A.J. Dillon later than you can get Aaron Jones, and Dillon is going to be the goal line guy. Aaron, Aaron Jones is pretty much – he's going to get his touchdowns when he runs it in from 15, 20 yards out. But Dylan is going to be the goal line guy. So I would take the value of that guy. And again, we'll be talking values later so you can put together the best team. But last team in the NFC North, we have the Minnesota Vikings, number one wide receiver and absolute stud, Justin Jefferson. We have Adam Thielen as their number two. We have KJ Osborne as the slot guy. Running back, you have Dalvin Cook and his backup, Alexander Madison, at tight end. You have Irv Smith, and you have obviously one Mr. Kirk Cousins at quarterback. Now, backing up Justin Jefferson, you have B.C. Johnson, and you have rookie Jalen Naylor backing up Thielen. So, and they did just pick up the Miami slot receiver that um, they let go of, Albert Wilson. So, Albert and Albert Wilson went healthy. He he was a dude. Like, we'll kind of see how that works out. He he may be steep competition for K.J. Osborne. And then you have Amir Smith-Marset also as a slot receiver. He was dealing with an injury. Um, they have quite a bit of slot receivers, so we'll kind of see how that goes. But obviously, Justin Jefferson is the top dog here. I'm kind of leery on Dalvin Cook this year. I just kind of feel like that injury is on the cusp. And I don't want to pick him where he would have to be picked and lose a guy that was probably my first, second round pick versus getting someone who, now we know week to week, anybody can get hurt, but I would much rather get a guy who has shown a little bit more durability. Um, he's another year older. And I want to say, I want to say he's on the, the north side of 26, which is where we start to see a little bit of a decline, but his injury history is more so more important to me than anything else. And I just don't want to pick someone that high that I'm going to feel iffy on all year, unless it's Christian McCaffrey, which, you know, I'll, I'll kind of flip that coin and hope for the best. But I don't know about Dalvin Cook. What can I say? Justin Jefferson, man. He's a top three wide receiver in our league right now. This guy is a stud. Uh, so <laughs> he definitely is going to do what he does. Uh, I, to me, man, I've seen Adam Thielen, and it seemed to me seems grossly Grossly, grossly, grossly undervalued. Uh, I seem ranked like 34th out of wide receivers. I like Adam Thielen, man. It seems like all he catches is touchdowns. You know what I mean? He's like got that kind of thing going. Like him and uh, Kirk Cousins seem to have a really, really good rapport when he's healthy. You know, he sometimes has little injuries as well. Uh, but I like Adam Thielen. If uh, if you're if you're losing, if you don't go for the top tier wide receivers, and you go on more running back. I think guys like Adam Thielen could be on your roster and give you good fantasy production. But the guy that um, everybody need to be watching out for, I think, this year is good old Herb Smith Jr. Um, I think this guy, it's time. Everybody's been waiting, and I think his explosion is is amongst us. I think 
he could really take off this year if he can remain healthy. Kirk Cousins is not sexy, but man, at the end of the year, his name is always up there at the top. So, and he seems to be grossly undervalued as well from year to year. So, I do like Kirk Cousins. Um, he finished top ten as well last year. He he just seems to just produce. I mean, he don't win games like you know he's not winning playoff games and things like that. But when it comes to fantasy, he's he, he's pretty much he's pretty much gold. I feel on the Davin Cook. It does seem like maybe this is where we start to see the. And I don't want to pick him early as well. I don't want to pick him in the first round. Um, and that's about where you would have to. I mean, if he continues to go where he has been, I mean, I, I would leapfrog that if, if I'm if I'm picking. You know, guys out there, uh, he's currently ranked maybe like fourth. I see how it's fourth. Um, I'm taking Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, I'm or taking, Chase before I take him. I'm taking Mixon, who's ranked lower than him. Facts. Uh, maybe Najee Harris, who's ranked lower than him. Facts. I'm taking Nick Chubb, who's ranked lower than him. Facts. Um, yep. Eckler, who's ranked lower than him. So yep. there's a lot of guys right. that, that can go in front of him that I think you should definitely uh, look. Even Swift, who's ranked 10. Yeah, who, yeah. Who may right. be in that, you know what I mean, arena, especially in the PPR league. Like, He's the same type back. Right. So if you do get Cook, you most definitely need to get Madison. Or your ass oh, yeah. will be <laughs> yeah. out here chasing Madison during the season because it'll be somebody in your league who will have Madison on his bench and he'll be waving in front of you in your face like a like a sausage in front of a dog. You know what I'm saying? But now and, I didn't mention Ty Chandler. Ty Chandler is actually going to be mm-hmm. battling Madison for that uh, running back, too. So that mm. may be a guy you want to, you know, after you make a couple of trades or something, have an open spot. Knowing what we know about Davin Cook's injury history, Ty Chandler may be a guy that you want to get sooner than later because I honestly feel like he can beat out Madison for that number two running back position. I know Joe knows the the, the rookies more than anybody else, but to, to remind us a little bit about what Ty Chandler brings to the table, Joe. Man, I think honestly, three's company, and and I think when you get the same kind of back, it's kind of the writings on the wall how they feel about somebody. Uh, so going to Ty Chandler, he really stood out, and he's one of the people I kind of mentioned during the East West Shrine Green, who was highly productive. This kid is a really good running back, and what I think is the most invaluable thing, you know, he obviously can run inside, outside, but he's a home run hitter as well with four three eight speed. So again, I feel like he they just they got three to say back, but this guy is highly explosive, a high contact kind of guy too. He doesn't really go down easily uh, from contact. He likes it actually. That was great value for them in the fifth round. So I think even with Davin Cook, too, I also want to tell the listeners, they can also get out his contract 2023. So relative to Dynasty, I, I'm highly off of him. His injuries is, is, even though he plays a lot of games, we're not dealing with injuries, you know, that that are small. He's just such a competitor. And this, this motherfucker, tolerance is out of this world. He played with two separated shoulders this past season. So you already know this guy. This, this even though he is heavily favored on the injury report, they just stacking up too much, and it's just like at, at some point you've reached that plateau. And I think we see Madison have the same productivity, and I think with this regime looking to the changes they got to make soon with Sad and Justin Jefferson in their future, etc., he's going to be a casualty in twenty twenty three, if not the year after. But they they have the potential out for twenty twenty three. So Ty Chandler is definitely somebody who's relative to Dynasty um, and somebody to add to your watch list for a year round. Um, going into the other positions relatively quickly, 
Uh, we already know Justin Jefferson. I agree Adam Thielen will be somewhat productive, but my biggest guy that I'm really high on is K.J. Osborne. If people are high on Gabriel Davis, you should be just as high on K.J. Osborne. As a rookie, just pointing this out, 82 targets, 655 yards, seven uh, touchdowns, and this kid runs a 4-4-8. So <laughs> I'm going into year two in this offense. Um, he's going to be highly favored in the Kevin O'Connell offense. And so, you know, having past experience with Van Jefferson, who was underwhelming in his system, but was given a lot of opportunities to take things to the house, you're not going to miss with KJ Osborne. So I think, like I said, if you're on the Gabriel Davis uh, pipe train, you need to be on the KJ Osborne. He's going to be, I'm going to be targeting him a lot because if anything happens to Thielen, and, or at some point his, his role is, uh, relegated to something smaller, which is more likely this season. KJ is going to be a huge beneficiary of whatever's to come. And then lastly, Irv Smith Jr. is a freak of nature. And if it wasn't for getting hurt in training camp, I think he would have easily touched 1,200 yards or maybe even 1,000 just to be realistic. They favor and use him a lot like Kelsey uh, in the sense where they gave him like end arounds. Uh, they got really creative in the end zone pretty much just to save, the, you know, it's how much they utilize him. But I think him having that rapport with uh, Cousins is going to help a lot. And I'm actually going to target Cousins as a backup. He's somebody who, like he's, like uh, Fender alluded to, highly productive for somebody who goes under the rug. He's not going to win any NFL games, but – Relative to fantasy, he just gets it done week out, week in, week out. So, again, just to, to kind of recap, KJ Osborne is like, I'm going to be speaking a lot about him this uh, offseason. I'm highly favored in him in year round. I'm going to be talking to him a lot. We know what uh, JJ does. And Dalvin Cook, like y'all said, I'm on a fade train with him. But give me Madison and Ty, uh, Ty Chandler in Dynasty for sure, for sure. And that pretty much wraps up the show for this week. Next week, AFC South and NFC South. I think those are the last two, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So we'll knock those on out. And after that, we'll be getting into the nitty-gritty of the offseason. Believe it or not, you guys, we aren't that far away from the season. The preseason will be coming up here in just a couple of months. Let's make sure that we start to cross the T's and dot the I's. We're going to help you do that. Um, this next series of shows coming up after the last two divisional breakdowns is, is where you're going to really want to break out your pen and pencil. Make sure that you listen a couple of times to get the gist of what's being said. We're going to make sure that we give you everything that we use. And because we use such varying strategies, you can kind of use what kind of fits at your personality. There's more than one way to skin a cat, as we say down south. You don't have to necessarily go with all of what I say, all of what Vander says, all of what Joe says, but I guarantee you, if you put together the strategies that we put out there, you can't help but win. With that, we out.